Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abundant, according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again into a lively hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I trust this evening that you know what that is, living in the resurrection, living in the lively hope. You know, we live in a time where there's not a lot of hope in this world, when we look out in society, and we know there's a lot of chaos and so forth around us. But my friends, the Church of Jesus Christ is alive and well. And I believe if you believe that, you're happy tonight. And you have a joy of the Lord flowing from your heart. I trust that's the way you are, is that you have the joy of the Lord. You know, tonight in prayer service, we had a brother say something about the joy of our salvation. And that is ultimately what I'd like to speak about this evening, is the joy of our salvation. And I trust that you can all hear back there. We have plenty of room up front here. For those that can't hear very well, you're welcome to move forward. And anyway, God bless you. We come to you with peace from our home congregation, and we'd like to return with peace. And my friends, this evening, we bring you greetings from the church in Lincoln, Missouri. I know that you have a desire to serve the Lord as we do. The church there, a little fellowship by the name of Fountain of Praise Mennonite. And we love the Lord, and I can see that you do too. And I trust that we will continue to remain faithful and true to him until he comes again, until we hear the trumpet sound. My friends, that is the only hope that we have. We don't have any hope in this world. There's a lot of glit and glitter out here in this world. But I'm afraid to tell you this evening, and I make no apologies of it, I know that the world has a lot to offer, but it has nothing to give. We have, we have a hope in Jesus Christ. It should be our all in all. You know, as I come before you this evening, I realize that I am only just a small vessel in God's hand, and I humble myself this evening in the eyes of God and before my fellow man, realizing that I am only a vessel of clay and subject to like passions of everyone else. My friends, this evening, I have needs as well as you have. I don't know what your needs are tonight, but I know there's one in heaven that does, and that is Jesus Christ. And my friends, this evening I realize that it is only through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we're going to be able to draw to Him. The Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 44, that there's no man can come to the Father except he that sent Him draw Him. My friend, it is through Jesus Christ we need a wooing of the Holy Spirit before we can be drawn to God. There are a lot of people that are hedging on the odds. My friends, tonight perhaps even that they have plenty of time to come to the Lord because they feel good. And so what, what's the use? What's the problem? I can come to the Lord when I want to. But let me tell you, my friends, there is, we need not to hedge on that because the Bible says in Corinthians, today is the day of salvation and the day is except the time. We need to make, as we hear the call, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55, I believe it's in verse 6 and 7, it says that we are to seek the Lord while he may be found and to call upon him while he is near. My friends, we can do that. We can call upon him. In Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, it says that we can call to the Lord. My friends, we all have on our phones, we have call waiting. We have messages and so forth that we leave, but God's phone line, if you come in sincerity, He's going to answer. He's going to hear your call. Call upon the Lord, and He will hear you, and He will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I do believe that tonight with from the bottom of my heart. You know, when I think about coming together, I don't really know anyone here. I've gotten to know Ellis this morning just briefly, and I enjoyed that. 
and there was a young man sitting to the right here next to the edge of the tent. I spent some time with my son and him in Puerto Rico this spring, and that is Brother Ethan. He was an usher, I believe a car parker, and we had a good time together, I believe, in Puerto Rico. And I trust that God can bless our efforts there. And there's others that I met there from, I believe, your congregations or your conference and so forth. But I see Brother Ethan here, and that is, I guess, the only one. Maybe there's a Helmuth here, too, that I should know. I think Mark Helmuth. Maybe there's a Sanford, and maybe there's a James. I don't know. But I know my wife is a very good friend with their sister, Anne. And so we have had some contact with them over the years, but not a lot. But I know that as we, this is the first time that I've ever been here in this area, and it's a, it's a very busy area, but you need a lot of patience living here in this area because of the traffic and everything that you come against. When you come out to Missouri, you have all kinds of open spaces and very few waiting times. And so it's a challenge to me and my patience to be here in your community to that degree. And yet, it is a blessing to be here and to see all your wanton faces. I, tonight, I come to you as one that has not a lot of education. I come to you as one that is not of excellency of speech, of man's wisdom, nor of enticing words, but with the fear and trembling and with the fear of God, determined to know only the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified. My friends, that the demonstration of the spirit of power, that your faith would stand, my friends, not in the wisdom or philosophy of man, which is much today, but in the power of God. I trust this week or these ten days we'll be meeting that we can understand what it means to have our faith rooted and grounded in the power of God and in His Word. My friends, I don't come with a lot of new thought or theology. I am just believing the simple gospel. I grew up in an old order home. In old order Amish, I courted my wife in a horse and buggy, and she came from another community right there within the area. And we had a good time singing together and so forth, a slow pace of life, and now we're in a fast pace of life. The Lord blessed us with six children, and not in the old order church, but as we progressed on, and I trust this evening that we could say that without trepidation, that we made moves that would benefit us. And tonight, I challenge you, my dear people, that if you're looking to make a change in your congregation or in your church life, that you would do that very very hesitantly, very much looking at the Word of God and doing it only with His wisdom and direction and not because of the things that the flesh would desire. That is something I believe that God is repulsed to, something that He does not desire. You know, we, we grew up together. My wife and I knew each other as long as we knew anyone. We got married. Several years later, we joined the Beachy Church. I'll give you just a little bit of history. And then um, we lived there in Iowa, Leon, Iowa. I don't know, most of you probably don't know where that is. It's in southern Iowa. We lived there for about 10, 11 years. We spent several years in the north there with uh, Believers Fellowship, Northern Youth Programs, if you know where Claire Schnupp and Amos Ash are and those. We worked with them a lot. And there we were with a native Indian reservation in an isolated reservation close to Hudson Bay. There with our oldest son, our second son was born in Saskatchewan. And then we had, we came, moved back, and we moved into Missouri. And there I was ordained. 
And uh, we have six children. We have three married, one that's anticipating getting married. And then we have our youngest son is 22 years old. And our youngest daughter is with us, my dear wife and I. She's sitting here towards the back. But we've been married close to 35 years, and I won't give you my age. All I say, I'm a late model with high mileage. It's one of those things where you get around, and you know you see people, and you know you, you forget names, but you see people's faces. And tonight, I am not looking at a group of people, and I'm not looking at you as your faces as subjects, but that you are people, you are people that have a soul inside your eyes. And tonight, I believe the countenance upon your face is that which this, this is something that depicts the soul, the very window of your soul. Thank you, brother. You know, there's so much that can be said for that. What is the countenance tonight of your heart is shown on your face. And I don't know exactly what your needs are, but I do know that we all have an enemy. John chapter 10, verse 10. Chapter 10, verse 10, it says that we have an enemy. And his desire is that he would come to seek to steal and to kill and destroy. And he don't care tonight, my friends, if it's spiritually or if it's physically. He likes to destroy anything that God has created, whether that be our physical life. And we realize that sin came into the garden because of sin, because of our first parents, Adam and Eve. We all know the story. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, my friends. And that is something. There's a wage that will never change. The wages of sin will always be the same. We cannot do anything about it. But by the grace of God, my friends, Jesus Christ came. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says that, you know, the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ our Lord. My friends, this evening, I'm grateful for that. And even though tonight that we are only used as vessels of God, we do believe that God can be here, and I trust that you have been praying for these meetings. I just had to think tonight and today that without prayer, without prayer, these meetings should are void. These meetings hold no avail whatsoever. It is through prayer. And you realize tonight that it is only the thing that a Christian can do with a sincere heart. The Bible says, and he wants sincerity. In Psalm chapter 51, it says there in verse 6 that God desires the truth from the inward parts. I'll get to that a little later. But that's what he wants. When we come to God in truth and sincerity, I believe that he's going to hear our prayers. He's going to hear our prayers. And the world, those that are locked up in sin, you know, they can try to call upon the name of the Lord, my friends. But the Bible said in Psalm 66, in verse 18, it says that if they regard iniquity in their heart, the Lord will not hear him. My friends, tonight, I trust that you have a communication with God that you can come to him in prayer. Tonight, we have a beautiful setting here. It's raining. It's noisy outside. But I trust this evening that you understand the voice of God speaking to you. And if you don't, you can come up here. We have some water coming right here. It's anointing coming right here. I trust, my friends, that you will understand what it is and means to have the anointing of the Holy Ghost in your life. You know what that means. Tonight, I'd like to share with you, if you have experienced salvation, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is not another separate time, 
but it is to one and all. Jesus Christ came for one and all. His sacrifice was made once and for all. We don't come to Jesus Christ in repentance and then we look for a second in filling. My friends, I believe the work is complete. I'd like to preach upon that tomorrow evening. But tonight I'd like if you could turn your Bibles to Psalm 85. The very familiar verses in Psalm 85. In verse 8 I'd like to read there. It says, I will hear, my friends, what the Lord will speak tonight. I trust that's what you will do these week, this week. In verse 6 it says, Wilt thou not revive us again? We are praying that God would be faithful. God is faithful. Are we faithful? Have we prayed that God would revive us? Do you want revival tonight? Is it a scary thing? I'd like to speak a bit about revival. And I don't know, sometimes you get into places like this where there's evangelistic meanings and other places there's revivals. And tonight I look at you folks as mostly church people, people that have and are aware of churchanity. You understand a little bit what it is. And tonight we're not talking to people that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's times when you get into Brooklyn, you get into places, Des Moines, Iowa, you get into St. Louis or Kansas City, you get into places where people may not have heard. You think, well, we're living in 2018. Everybody's heard the gospel. My friends, don't take it for granted because there's people in these cities that don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And tonight, I realize in these 10 days that there's going to be an overlap with evangelism and also revivalism. Tonight, I would like to speak to a people that knows what it is, that knows what it is to be born again. And maybe tonight, I don't know where you are. Sometimes, you know, in revival. Oh, Lord, wilt thou not revive us again that thy my people might rejoice in thee? And, you know, I don't know where you are. Are you experienced the fullness of God? Don't be looking for, if you have been believed, if you have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you have confirmed that through baptism publicly, that you are by faith, that you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, don't be looking for another experience tonight, my friends. But it is, those, the Bible says that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit once that you have repented and you are free from sin. I believe that by faith tonight. And tonight, if you do not have the joy of the Lord in your heart, my friends, I don't know what else we could do. The Bible is full of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. This is the Lord's work, the gift of revival. It is a gift tonight. I believe if you came seeking for a revival, God is going to be faithful to speak to you tonight. He's going to be faithful. You know, when I think of this revival, I talked to my dad. I just talked to him a couple days ago. He's 95 years old. He lives in Hutchison, Kansas. He's old order. But I asked him to pray for me, and he said he would. He said if only one person could be helped in this 10 days, he said it would be worth it. And my friends, that is the burden I have, that burden I have. My friends, if we have lost the passion for those that are struggling and those that are weak in the faith, my friends, we have lost the passion. We have lost the passion, what it means to serve the Lord, to serve the Lord. Do we have that passion? I trust tonight that you know of a friend. Maybe you have a family member. Maybe you yourself tonight are witnessing something in your life that you'd rather not talk about. Maybe you would rather not talk about your son or daughter that has maybe erred. Maybe you don't want to talk about the things that are hidden in your heart. 
or maybe that your friend has that he's struggling with. My friends, tonight, it is, if there's any success, if there's any virtue, if there's any good thing that comes from these meetings, my friends, I, for the first one, cannot touch it with the very smallest of my fingers. It is the work of God. I cannot bring revival to you. Tonight, it is the Holy Spirit. If you want revival, God is going to bring it to you. There is no way that man can bring revival to you. You have got to have that connection with God. And it starts with you, my friend. It starts with me. It starts with me. Well, you say, well, preacher, we brought you in here for revival. And yet if you can't bring revival, you might as well go home. Well, that is just exactly the way it is. If uh, I'll tell you I cannot bring revival, my friends, let me tell you, I'll be happy to go home. I cannot do that. I'm only a vessel in God's hands. It is the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you understand what that means, I trust you know what that means. And I'll be touching a lot upon churches, church life and church organization. A lot on church organization. We live in a time where we have freedom and we have a lot of opportunities. And do we use those opportunities to the very utmost of importance of spreading the gospel and to be a faithful witness? Or are we in delving in organizational skills? And I know that this church here can do it better than this church. And it's got better organization skills. I've wondered, my friends, tonight, and I trust that you understand that the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit was removed from the face of the earth, could you as a congregation continue on with your organizational skills as you are? That's a hard question. But I pray tonight, and I prayed in the weeks before, that my prayer is that utterance would be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to speak the things that God would lay on my heart, to be ambassador for Christ, that therein I may speak those things which He is speaking to me. And I trust that I can do that with love and sensitivity. I want to. I have a love for God's people, and I trust that you do too. But we look here in Psalm 85, we look here where it talks about reviving us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee. Would we rejoice tonight if we could be revived? I don't know where you're at tonight. When we think of revival, we think of resuscitation, something that we have, we have lost breath. You know, I have two sons that are in the RN field. They're nurses, and there's times they get into places where they have to resuscitate. And tonight, I wonder how many of us in the congregations of the Lord Jesus Christ, we name ourselves it's the Lord Jesus Christ Church that we are resuscitating those that are brokenhearted, those that are barely surviving tonight. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for He will speak peace unto His people. But let it them not turn again into folly. He's faithful as long as we are, my friends. Surely His salvation is nigh to them that fear Him. My friends, this evening... I would like to speak in German. That is my first speech. That's my Muttersprache. I would like to speak in German. That's where the scriptures come to me, is through German. But I know I'll speak in English. Most of you are English people. But in German, it talks about the fear of God. I still remember them old Amish preachers talking about the fear of God. In German, it was the Furi Gottes. The Furi Gottes Schaffen. 
ewige salvation, salvation and ewige Leben. You know, everlasting life. Salvation is something. The people that have a desire for the Lord. And you know, we think, well, what is the fear of the Lord? Some people think it's the fear of the Lord is that the Lord has a stick up here. And every time that I make a mismove, he's going to chastise me. My friends, he has the capabilities of doing that. But I believe that the fear of the Lord tonight is a very reverential, respectful attitude as we approach the Lord. As we approach the Lord. Surely his salvation is nigh to them that fear him. You know, we can have, in church congregations, we can have all kinds of creeds that we stand on. We can have all kinds of brotherhood guidelines and so forth. But my friends, we can have a book that is an inch, that is two and a half foot deep. And if we don't have people that have the fear of the Lord in their lives, my friends, it will not work. It's the fear of God. The fear of God is like a governor on an engine, if you may say. A governor on an engine. If you don't have a governor on an engine, it'll run until it completely goes wild and it'll blow up. That's what the fear of God does to us as people. The governor within us. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. When I think of mercy and truth, mercy taken to the extreme is a compromising situation. And truth taken to the extreme is a very legalistic type of thing. But we need both. When they have met together, when they have met together, my friends, I trust that that can be our experience this week where righteousness and peace can kiss each other. I trust that's the way it is with you. And I don't know how it is in your home and in your life, but I'd like to share this evening just a little bit of a story here. What if Jesus came to your house? Would you have revival right away? What would you do if Jesus came to your house? Would you welcome him in? Would, what if he came to spend a day or two? Now, let me tell you, if he would came for an hour, you know, you could kind of put on a front and let him go out the door. But what if he came to spend a day or two with you? You've heard this story. He came unexpectedly. What would you do? Oh, I know you'd give him the nicest room to such an honored guest, and all the food you served to him would be the very best. But when you saw him coming, you would meet him at the door with arms outstretched in welcome to our heavenly visitor. Or would you have to change your clothes before you let him in? Or hide some magazines and put the Bible where they'd been? Would you turn off the radio and hope he hadn't heard and wish you hadn't uttered that last loud, nasty word? And I wonder if the Savior spent a day or two with you, would you go right on doing the things that you have, would always do? Would you keep right on saying the things you always say? Would life for you continue as it does from day to day? Would your family conversation keep up its usual pace? Or would you find it hard each meal to say a table grace? Would you be glad to have him stay forever on and on? Or would you sigh with great relief when at last he was gone? It might be interesting to know the things that you would do if Jesus came in person to spend a day with you. 
You know, as I think about that, that is a little thing that I cut out of a magazine that we get. And I had to think about the very thing if Jesus came to our door. Tonight, I believe he's at our door. The Bible says in Revelations, I believe it's in chapter 3, verse 20, that behold, I stand at the door and knock. And any man and a woman that hears my voice and opens the door and lets me in, I will come into him. And her, I will sup with them and them with me. Tonight, he is knocking at your door. How is it with you? I would like to look at a life of a man just briefly in Psalm 51. If you could turn to Psalm 51. I would look like look at a man's life here that had known the Lord and had walked with the Lord and he had fallen away from knowing who God was because of sin, my friends. It is always sin that breaches the relationship between us and our God. It is not something that happens necessarily to us. Circumstances have their place. Circumstances have uh, impact on our life. But there is one thing that no one can take away from us, and that is the joy of the Lord if we know the Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 51, my friends, it talks there about creating me a clean heart in verse 10 and renew right spirit within me. And I trust this evening that you are asking God to do that. If you're here tonight and you know what it has been to know the Lord, as the Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter 3, it talks about the churches there. I believe the Spirit of God talked to seven churches, and out of those seven, there was five that he told them to repent. There were things that they had, a lot of things going right for them, but they had to repent. They needed to repent, my friends. That is something that you don't hear about very often anymore is the thing of repentance. I trust it is a word that we understand what means. We hear it across our pulpits, the word repentance. It doesn't matter if you repented 30 years ago tonight. I trust that if you are having relationship problems, if there's something that you are up against with your family, if there's things that you feel really isn't even your fault, my friends, you need to repent. And I don't, you don't, you ask me, why do I have to repent if it's not my fault? My friends, just repent. God will take it and he will make something beautiful out of that. I'll share more on that tomorrow, Lord willing. But revival is something that is returning to something of the former. It's returning to something that you've known of. David here, my friends, the musician, the Psalm of David, when Nathan came to him and spoke to him about that great sin with him and Bathsheba, I believe that David's heart was stricken. And when Nathan told him that he is the man, I believe that he tried to keep Nathan out as long as he could. My friends, tonight, that's exactly the tactics of Satan. He desires to keep the voice of the Holy Ghost away from us. He doesn't want us to have the impact. But my friends, tonight, David was the chief example of that which is of revival. It is of restoration. It is of that of restoring. It is that of reestablishing commitment and connection. It is that of resuscitating. I remember years ago, our son caught a fish out of the pond. It was a great big fish, 35-pound fish, a big one. And, you know, we had that fish out there on the bank, and we were, we were looking at the fish. We were oohing and on, and it was huge. It was big, a lot for our pond. And, you know, we weighed that fish. It was 35 pounds. And finally, I got to thinking, that fish has got to go back to water. Why? Because it has got to connect back to water or it will die, my friends. And that is exactly the way it is with you and I. Unless we are connected with the relationship with Jesus Christ, we are going to die. 
We will die the spiritual death, not like the fish. We put the fish back in the water, and the fish, it, it needed some help. It needed help. How? We laid the fish out in the water, and it flopped to the side, and that's not normal for a fish. You know, we had to take the fish. We set it upright. It took some, it took some discipline. It took discipleship, if you please, my friends, to take the fish and to move it up back and forth in the water and to get it reconnected with water and resuscitated. It needed to be reestablished with water, that which it was something that it could live with. Tonight, my friends, if you are not connected with the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to die. A spiritual death. You say, I'm doing okay the way I'm living. What's wrong with it, my friends? What's right about it? What's right about the way we're living our life? I trust that we can take the good things and capitalize upon them and teach them to our generations. My friends, that the old landmarks would not be removed, my friends, but that we would, we would understand that it is not the things necessarily that we do that's going to get us to heaven, but it's because we are saved by the, Lord, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way we're going to get to heaven, my friends. It is not by the works that we do. It's by grace, the Bible says, are you saved? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it talks there about that we are saved by grace through faith. It's not a works lest any man should boast. You know, I couldn't do it as good as you could. And so, my friends, God, that's the grace of God that we have all the right we have all the chance to come to Him. We do not have to be of a certain lineage. We don't have to be of a certain congregation necessarily. But if we follow the Lord Jesus Christ and align ourselves with the doctrines and the love and the commands of His Word, then we can know what it is to have life and be connected to Him. Revival is an invasion, my friends, tonight from heaven. And I trust that you have been praying for that. An invasion from heaven. It is... It is something what brings the consciousness, awareness of who God is, of who God is. It is that of making priorities, making our priorities after God's priorities, not our own. Here in Psalm 51, it says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. It says, Blot out my transgressions. Blot them out, my friends. Today, I know in the Old Testament, the sins were covered once a year. But today, through the day of grace and the new dispensation, that our sins can be taken away. In verse 2, it says, wash me thoroughly. It says, from my iniquity. I believe David knew something about that. There was some foreshadowing to him of the cleansing from his sins. The Bible says in, the, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I believe David had a glimpse of that. There was a washing. My friend, he washes. He takes our sins. We bring them under the blood of Jesus Christ. He will take them as far as the east is from the west. And he will cleanse them. Why and how? My friends, because the east and the west, there is no end. It is without end. It's like a circle. It has no beginning or end. That's exactly the mercy of God. When we bring our sins under the blood of Jesus Christ, tonight I don't know what your sins are. Maybe you don't have any sins. Maybe you've just cooled off. Maybe it's just something. Maybe you haven't been in a sin like David has. Here it says in verse 3, I acknowledge my transgressions. It says that my sin is ever before me. How is that? My friends, if you have a sin and you're harboring that in your life, it is ever before you. It is right in your conscious awareness. You will know that. 
And when the right time comes, you will either feel very uncomfortable. You want to run away from that. You want to run away from what's being preached or taught or from a certain person that brings that consciousness to your, to that, uh, that conviction to your consciousness, my friend. In verse 4, it says, against thee and thee only have I sinned. You know, when I think about this, we live in a time when people are not taking responsibility for their sins. They are blaming everybody else. It's everybody else's fault. It is the government's fault. It's the church's fault and so forth. And it continues on and on and it has no end. What we want to project, my friend, that has no convenient stopping place. But when we do as David did here, David, he took responsibility. He says, I have sinned and I have done this. It says, done this sin. I have done this evil in thy sight. He says, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and did in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. It says, and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, it says, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. My friends, that's exactly what happens with the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, it says, though your sins be as why, if those they be as crimson, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, though they be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be white as wool. And that's exactly what the blood of Jesus Christ does. It takes the sin away. My friends, you don't have to have and carry the guilt of that if it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. My friends, tonight, if you are struggling with something and there is something in your life, there is still an ember of faith there. Don't lose hope. The Bible says... In Matthew chapter 12, it says there in verse 20, it says that a smoking flax will he not quench and a bruised reed he's not going to break off. He has mercy, my friends. He wants all people to come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants you to have that connection back to him. I don't know how many of you, how you felt the day before when you got married. It was the first love. The brother spoke tonight about that of the matrimony, a couple getting married, saying their vows, and it was a beautiful time. Tonight, I don't know how it was for you when you came to the Lord, maybe before the altar, maybe it was your bedroom, I don't know. But when you came to the Lord, my friends, how did you feel? It was a tremendous feeling. It was a feeling where you could not, my friends, it wasn't that's an emotional fire, but it was, it was Holy Ghost inspired. Why? Because it brought conviction. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of hype in this world today, but my friends, is it bringing the results we'd like to see for stability, a life of faith? You know, my, I, just, I still remember coming to the understanding of salvation. I remember my wife and I sitting up until three in the morning and in, in talking about faith and about salvation and what, how that felt to us and how good it felt. It was such a freeing time tonight. If you know what that's been, you know, have you lost your first love? Has it been a time that you know how it felt when you really loved the Lord and you have cooled off? Maybe you haven't been in a sin like David was here, but you've just cooled off. And somehow, as David says here, it says, it says in verse 8, Make me to hear the joy of gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Back in Psalm, I'd like to read a few verses in Psalm 32. The bones, it says, blessed is he 
It says, he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord imputeth righteousness, and in whose spirit there is no guile. No guile. We can even say deceit. It says, when I kept silent. This is the question I have before you tonight. When I kept silent. It says, as David, my bones waxed. It says, old through the roaring all the day. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture, it says, was turned into drought as summer. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and my iniquities have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgivest the iniquity of my sin. Do we believe that tonight? Maybe tonight you have something in your life that you are fearful of confessing. The freedom that can come from doing that, my friends, it is outstanding. It is something that the heaven's gates will shake tonight and the angels in glory will rejoice all night long. For this, it says, shall everyone that is godly, it says, pray the, into, unto thee in the time when thou mayest be found. When thou mayest be found. You know, God tonight is speaking. He's here with us. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek him tonight. Hide not thy face from my sin. David was taking a complete remorseful attitude against what he had done. Tonight, are you willing to take responsibility for life? Maybe there's something in relationships that have broken down and it just takes the one person, the one person to humble themselves and to come and say, I'm sorry. Maybe you don't even feel like that you have really done that much wrong. There's, you know, there's a lot of things that we have right in our congregations, but there's so much bad stuff that happens through attitudes and feelings is terrible, my friends. And it's things that can be taken care of. That's not the way church is. And it's turning our young people away. Restore. It says, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then, then, my friends, when I have the joy of the Lord, when I know what that means again, I have confessed my sin, I've cleaned up. It says, then I will teach transgressors their ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Then again, you will have a testimony that is alive and doing well. You will not be ashamed that the Bible says in, first, in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, the ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but you'll have a testimony again. Why? Because you have restored that relationship with the heavenly Father. And that is, everything is on the altar. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation. My tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open, it says, thy lips and thy mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, or else I would give it. Thou delightest not in birth offerings. The sacrifices, it says, of God are a broken spirit. And a broken and a contrite heart, O God, wilt thou not despise? Wilt thou not despise? Do good unto thy pleasure and to Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then, then shall thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings. Then they shall offer bullocks upon thy altar. Then we can worship. Then we can bring our oblations. And we can bring our offerings to God in consecration. Because he is going to be pleased with it. Revival is a time to take an upward look at the holiness of God. An inward look at self-examination. And then how is that spelling out from our lives? 
You know, it's easy to look outside, around us, but we don't want to look inside. Because it's not always pretty there. Tonight, that's what I'm talking about, is the invasion of the Holy Spirit, His presence. What robs us from the joy that you once had? Have you had joy and you don't have it anymore? Joy is actually the flag flowing from the castle of your heart to show that the king is in residence there. You know, we had some tragic accidents happen. In Missouri and Branson, we had a bad thing happen with a dope bu- uh, a duck boat go down. Many people drowned, nine out of one family. It was bad. The flags were flying at half-staff. Why is that? Because there's been a catastrophe. Catastrophe. Tonight, I implore you, is your flag flying at half-staff? There were two men working on the outside of a very prominent congregation years ago. They were working outside of this church, and there were people coming and going into church. And the one worker looks up to the other one, and he says, you know, I haven't seen one of those going into the church with a smile on their face. Is the gospel we have inviting? Once David came to the understanding of repentance and revival. When he was revived again, he resuscitated. He was resuscitated. He was reestablished with God. How? Through taking personal responsibility. It wasn't my sister or my brother's fault. Maybe it was. But what I need to do is repent. And then God will be there. If Bathsheba wouldn't have been in the housetop tempting David, it would have never happened, Right? So there could have been very legitimate passing on of blame. But David said, I have sinned. And it's that very thing tonight, my friends, that's going to give you victory in Jesus Christ. When we have the grace to simply say, you know what? It's my sin. I have sinned. I have sinned. You know, expressions that are pleasant are going to have people wondering what you're all about. I'm not talking about a giddiness. I'm not talking about people that are giddy and, and, and so forth. But people that have the joy of the Lord on their heart will be evident on their countenance, I do believe. I do believe that. So how do we prepare for revival? I trust you have been preparing. In Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says that if my people, that's our people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Tonight you may say, well, I have no wicked ways. We are wicked without God. If we have become cold, indifferent, maybe even dysfunctional in our relationships, maybe we could do better. Then will I hear from heaven I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. That's how we prepare for revival. Where does it start? Oh, it starts with the sister or brother over here. If they would repent, we could have revival. No, it starts here. It starts here. Somebody asked Billy Sunday one time, or was it Gypsy Smith? I'm not sure. 
asked him, how do you start a revival? He said, you go home in your secret room, you lock the door, you go in there and you paint a circle around you and you pray, you pray through. And once you have prayed through, and that is work, my friends, praying through at times is travail. When revival has started inside that circle, then you can have revival. And I do believe that. I do believe that when we have a intentional commitment that we want revival for our families, ourselves, our congregations, our communities, then we will be intentional about praying in that regard. In the regard that revival starts here, right on the inside. Maybe there's things that need to happen as uh, I'd like to turn just uh, briefly to Acts chapter 8 and 19. <clears throat> Acts chapter 19 this evening. I know that we are people that like to have lives that are clean, lives that are prayed up and confessed up. But this is one way revival starts right here. In verse 18, it says in verse chapter 19, that as many as believed, they came and confessed. They confessed and showed forth their deeds, their deeds, the hidden deeds, perhaps, my friends, without reservation. In verse 19, it says, many of them, many of them also which use curious arts. And I'm not sure what all that was. Was it uh, Ouija boards? Was it uh, all kinds of worship of Baal uh, and so forth? It was curious arts, which they brought books and so forth. They burned them before the, all men. And they counted the price of them and found it was 50,000 pieces of silver. And you know, when people did that, you know what happened in verse 20? And mightily, it says, mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Why? Because they seen that God's people were reviving. Revival. How is that? I remember several years ago in the congregation we was at, uh, it was just before communion a couple weeks, and I had known there were some things in our congregation that weren't right. I had known that. And I had a message that day, and I used this verse. I said that Sunday evening, we had scheduled service that evening. I'd like to have a bonfire outside the church house, beside the fellowship hall. And I want everyone, everyone, to write down on a piece of paper the grudges they've had the things that they have said about people that may not have been true or maybe have been true and were not conducive to holy living, were not upbuilding. If they have things that they would like to have removed from their life, just bring it. Humble yourself and bring it tonight. And we're going to have a fire out here and it's not going to be to warm hands, but it's going to be that of destroying evil things. That afternoon I had three or four phone calls a brother asked me about what type of tape should I bring. I said, you know what? I'm not saying a word. I cannot tell you what tapes you to bring. I cannot tell you what DVDs to bring. I had a sister call and say, what, what about this or that? I said, you have to write it down. If you don't feel comfortable writing it down, you have to follow your heart. I'm not going to tell you what to do. That night we had service. And I don't know how many people, there was many that had things written down and with tears in their eyes and with remorse. I didn't know, have to know what all that was. They brought those up and they put them in the fire. And I, then we left it there. There's where we left it. And the bags of tapes, 
The Walmart bags of tapes and DVDs. Oh, the stench that come out of that was awful. But I believe the stench that came out of them before they were burned was awful in the nostrils of God. Tonight, if there's something that we've been harboring, you want revival, you'd like to know how it felt when you first came to the Lord. You want to restore that first love that you had. And you know that there's something in your life that is keeping you from doing that. Tonight, we want to close in prayer. And we're going to ask you tonight to come forward. You may not have it with you tonight. It may be in your heart. But you can share that to the Lord. You can do it here. You can do it in the prayer room. You can ask people to come pray for you. But tonight, I would like to ask you to search your heart. Do you want revival? Do you not want revival? Where does it start? If we're going to be real with God... We're going to have to show him. We're going to have to be intentional about it. I have one more thing I'd like to read before we close. And that is the thing of revival. How does it start? Where does it start? If all the sleeping folks would wake up, I'm not talking necessarily if you have a television in your house and you've been watching DVDs and things that aren't fit to watch. I'm talking about some of the things that matter to the soul and the accountability to other people. If all the sleeping folks would wake up and all the lukewarm folks would fire up and all the dishonest folks would confess up and all the disgruntled folks would sweeten up and all the discouraged folks would cheer up and all the depressed folks would look up and all the estranged folks would make up, and all the gossipers would shut up. And all the dry bones would shake up, and all the true soldiers would stand up, and all the church members would pray up, and then I believe we could have revival. Oh, you say, brother, you don't know my situation. I have problems. I know what problems are. I believe you do. Tonight, I don't know what your problems are. But I've counseled different people that have said, Brother, you just don't know how the problems that I go through. I understand that. But I believe the problems that we have is the distance, the shortest distance between our problems and the solution is the distance between our knees and the sawdust down here. That is the shortest distance from our problems to solutions is getting on our knees. And pray. If you're intentional about it and you're sincere about it, God's going to visit you right there. I don't care what it is. It may be something that you've shortchanged somebody 30 years ago on a bushel of wheat or beans or corn, milk, cheese, or eggs. I don't know what it is. Business dealings. Tonight, I'm going to close in prayer. And we're going to close our eyes. And we're going to allow God to speak to us. And if you have a need in your life, as David did, here I am, Lord, I've sinned. And if you're faithful and just, you know, to come before him, he's going to cleanse your sin. And he's going to wash you white as snow. Let us bow our heads for prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening. We thank you for the gift of revival. 
the very despondency that we find ourselves tossed into through the allurements of the world, through coldness, half-heartedness to the Lord, I pray. Tonight that we could come to you. We're grateful that you are merciful tonight. Even tonight in this beautiful rain, you've showered us with blessings tonight. Oh, would we come before you tonight, bless the word. Oh, Father, as we read from Psalm 51, as we read about being revived, Lord, that there would be no one here that could leave this place and say that I have not had the opportunity to come to be refreshed and to resuscitate my spiritual life, to reestablish that connection with you, O oh Father, with Jesus Christ. Tonight, we pray a blessing upon this congregation and this assembly tonight. Would you bless each one that came and protect them for your glory and for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. You keep your heads bowed tonight. I'm going to ask the song leader to lead in the chorus of song. And we're going to have an invitation tonight, what it means to be revived, to come, to be renewed. We're going to have the young man lead us. Keep our heads bowed tonight. Let us sing. What's the song tonight? Let's sing Just As I Am. Tonight, that's the way the Lord wants you, just as you are. No airs, no fronts. Just come. Just as I am without one plea. Precious blood was shed for you. Tonight, is there someone that would like to make an initial experience with the Lord to experience what it is to be saved tonight? person tonight the old must die the young can die we have no promise of tomorrow is there someone tonight as we toss out the gospel net tonight would you come tonight the opportunity is yours you have the first love the Savior gave you when you knelt at the altar that day is there anyone tonight May you be faithful to the Holy Just Spirit tonight. As I am, Lord, Anyone here tonight? With you want to understand what it means to live with the power of the gospel? You've been defeated tonight. heaven's gates glory tonight the angels rejoice there is a brother that has come and we'd like to have someone come minister to him tonight 
He's here. He's broken. And that is what God desires, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. The Lord will not despise. This young man, I don't know what his need is, but we know that God that he's faithful. And the Holy Spirit is faithful tonight. God bless you, young man. Let's all stand for a closing prayer and you can be dismissed. Just as I am tonight, it doesn't matter if you do it here or if you do it beside your bed or in your bed or wherever you're at. Just be faithful to God just as you are. Come and God's going to take care of you in a very special way. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, tonight we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you again for your love and mercy to us. You have been good to us, O oh God. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the authenticity the, uh, of your word, the word that is powerful. We thank you, Father, for the examples of the Bible, those that we can come and look at as lives that have repented and the life that they've lived afterward. Father, I pray that you would help us to have the grace to just simply come to you and confess our sins. Tonight, I trust that everyone that is here, that remaining tonight, I pray that they would be faithful to you and honest as you go up and down the pews, up and down the rows of benches and chairs tonight, that you would just speak to the hearts, draw them into yourself only as you can. Father, I'm grateful for you in the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, I pray that you would bless this assembly as they apart now, Father. Go to their several places. Would you give them a good night's of rest? They could come back again tomorrow evening, Lord willing. It's your desire. We pray a special blessing upon that. Go in peace, and Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be dismissed.